Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for making the Teacher Edition Podcast a part of your day. We have another very practical topic for you today, one that ties in so perfectly to the start of a new school year. And for some of you, the start of ministering in a new school. But before we jump into that, let me again remind you to take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. If you have friends who aren't listening in, please share the podcast with them as well. Don't forget to follow us on social media. As a reminder, we are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. That is Teacher Edition Pod. We would love it if you would take a minute to leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help out the show. And lastly, I want to invite you to go to our website, teachereditionpodcast.com. There you can subscribe to our emails and you can also submit your questions and stories. So school is now underway for so many of you. You're getting into routine. You're starting to experience your classes for this year. Are you looking for new ideas? How about ways to navigate situations or strategies to motivate or engage? Whatever it is, I want to just encourage you to jump on our website, click that button, and record your question. We look forward to receiving those and sharing them on the show. So as we have questions and stories come in, we will share those at the end of the episodes. So be sure to listen all the way to the end of the interviews each time. In today's episode, we are honored to have Dr. Mark Cronemeyer joining us. Mark, welcome to the Teacher Edition podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Jenny, and I appreciate it. I'm, I'm really honored to be on here today. And I just want to say thank you for uh, welcoming me to the show today. Um, a little background real quickly, if you don't mind. Um, I um, enjoy talking about Christian education. It's been a passion of mine for many years. And um, uh, my association, although uh, some of you know BJU, BJA, uh, back, back a few days. Uh, but I came to, to BJA when I was 14 years old as a, board, as a boarding student. And I'm deeply grateful for uh, the impact uh, the teachers had on my life. And, and that's largely, I think, why uh, the Lord propelled me into Christian education and enjoyed it so much. Uh, so I went to college at BJU. All my kids went to college at BJU. Uh, so it's had a profound impact in my life. Uh, the Lord gave me a uh, really interesting uh, couple of years of, of being a store manager with a company called Service Merchandise. And uh, it gave me a lot of management experience that, that I have found beneficial in the educational uh, world as well. Uh, so I've enjoyed about uh, 36 years of Christian education, uh, but what's been interesting is, and although I admire individuals who have been in one place for many years, uh, the Lord's moved us around. And so I've had the opportunity uh, on quite a few occasions, uh, in fact, five, uh, to come in as a new head of school. And, uh, and I thought that might be something we've talked about today, just the opportunity to be in a new school and uh, assess, evaluate. Uh, so I spent 14 years in Savannah, just to kind of give you a geographical background, uh, two in Rhode Island, um, 11 in Connecticut, seven in the south side of Atlanta, and now I've been on the north side of Atlanta for uh, two years and uh, enjoyed uh, that opportunity uh, and the challenges that each one of those opportunities has brought. So uh, along the way, the Lord's given me some, some educational opportunities. I've got two masters, a doctorate, um, but I've learned so much in conferences from other individuals. And um, just really uh, enjoyed the opportunity to serve my students for, for many years. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you for sharing that. So our listeners can get to know you just a little bit better. I appreciate, Mark. The Lord has allowed our paths to cross several times over the years. 
And each time I have been blessed by his very obvious passion for Christian education and with a biblical worldview. And I appreciate his godly leadership and the wisdom he brings as he leads the schools where he is. And so, Mark, let's talk the beginning of school. With new new school year comes a lot of new firsts for everyone. But today I really want to focus on being new to a position. That could be a teacher or an administrator new to a school or really even to a new position. So, Mark, having been in a number of schools and even in a number of different states over the years, you've had a lot of firsts. And with first comes uncertainty and adjustment, but also a lot of opportunity and challenge. Many of these challenges continue as you serve, but have to be faced immediately when your ministry begins. So let's explore some of those challenges. What are some of the challenges you and other leaders have faced in your ministry? Of course, we are looking specifically at when you arrive on campus as a new administrator or a teacher. What, do you, what are your thoughts on those? This is a great question, Jenny, and 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 thanks for sharing that. I I uh, feel like I've faced all kinds of challenges from uh, the mundane, really, uh, to the serious challenges uh, from uh, situations with parents, facility, um, and there, there are all kinds of opportunities. And that's what uh, we we sometimes call them challenges, and uh, sometimes we call them opportunities. Either way, they're they're on our plate uh, when we show up and as we continue in ministry. So. Uh, when I was a young store manager, right before uh, I assumed a, a store manager position, uh, I had a uh, a day in Charlotte, and I remember it well because uh, you had a half day off to go uh, enjoy Carowinds, which I, I love. But uh, the the opportunity there was to uh, simulate being a store manager, uh, just move to a location, have uh, just a couple hours, about I think four hours, to just process and evaluate uh, your setting. And then go back home and get ready to pack and, and go. But the training I had there was was invaluable because it's kind of a similar situation when you come to be a new teacher, new head of school. Uh, you have a short time to to evaluate, uh, to look at what needs to be done, to prioritize action, and that was what that drill was was all about. Um, in the school ministry, uh, it really focuses on four key areas, and I uh, appreciate it so much when I was in grad school. Doctor Uwaro, you may know him, just a great great guy. And you always keep in on the four P's of uh, that are really relevant, important areas uh, to focus uh, facets of Christian education. You've got philosophy, you've got personnel, uh, you've got the, the program, and then to keep the P's uh, plant, which we would call the facility. So uh, we, we focus on those those very important things and we try and set them as quickly as possible, whether just entering a classroom or as a head of school. Uh, I think there, there are four key things to, to focus on. But before we focus on those things, I think there, there are a couple things I was actually brainstorming on this this morning that I think every head of school, every teacher should consider. And, and that, that I'll keep these pretty brief, but I think they're important. First of all, I think it's really important to just pray for wisdom. I think it's easy uh, when, when one is a new head of school or a new teacher to think, uh, well, even if you're a veteran, uh, I've got all the answers. I've got the solutions. I've got this. Uh, that's why I'm here. That's why I was hired. And uh, I think praying for wisdom just demonstrates the fundamental and essential humility that I need God's help uh, to have wisdom in assessing uh, this situation and this opportunity God's placed for me. In addition, I think it's really important, and the older I get, the more uh, valuable I think this lesson is, is to listen carefully to your people. Um, and so when I come to new school, I, I try to immediately interview uh, each person, uh, everyone from maintenance to teachers to uh, office staff, 
it's really important to, to listen. And, and we've all probably been in those meetings uh, where uh, a visionary, a leader uh, comes into that room and he says, uh, you know, tell me, you know, give me give me your opinion. And uh, then when when everyone's finished giving his opinion, um, he goes on with uh, his plan, totally disregarding the uh, interests and desires of, of and the experience of these individuals. And so um, I think listening and so hearing is one thing, listening is another thing, but it's really, really important to listen to, to individuals because each school has a flavor, has a culture. I've been in the Northeast, the Southeast, there, there, there are different uh, nuances, uh, needs of parents, needs of students. And um, so the culture and flavor of the school, really listening to your personnel, I think is exceptionally important. Uh, I think then getting to know the culture uh, of that uh, the area, the, the, the families, the, the, uh, the students, the teachers, and then be very judicious. There used to be a state education that uh, said, don't smile before Thanksgiving. I, if you know me, I love to smile. I love to enjoy school. I, I don't subscribe to that. But the, the principle behind it was, was try to you know, make sure that you have class, classroom control and then you can help and, and teach individuals. But there's also the same when you come to a new ministry, whether as a teacher or as a uh, head of school, um, be very careful in making changes. And um, you say you're a change maker, you're an agent of change. But yes, uh, listen, because um, many times if you'll just listen and process and think, needed change can be made, but timing is very important to change. And so the first year, I, I wouldn't make major changes. Uh, however, if it's something minor, I certainly would make that change. I, I, I was talking to a few teachers the other day. They were in line. It was lunchtime, and they were kind of backed up and talking. They said, you know, we really need another microwave. And so I walked down to the finance uh, department and said, "Listen, where are these guys doing the micro? That's not something you pray about, think about. Uh, that's that's an that's a, a needed decision. But if something about uh, policy and process and and the impact of a number of people, I really think we need to be judicious and use great discretion making changes and and don't do it prematurely, especially sweeping changes that can make a, a huge difference in people's lives. And then be decisive. I kind of alluded to that a minute ago, but be collaborative. And and you can be both." I think as a leader, as a teacher, uh, get the input of students, get the input of individuals, uh, collaborate, and then make your decision, and then let people make their decisions. You know, I've got an admin team. Uh, many of you probably in your uh, circles have individuals that work for you, and let them do their job. Uh, there are many individuals that will micromanage, uh, get involved in things they really shouldn't because they're the head uh, or they're the teacher. And, and the truth is, uh, I could I could name for you a number of specific schools and situations that I'm aware of right now, where if if an individual would just follow these basic principles, um, they'd probably get what they want and what needs to be done, but they do it with the correct timing and considering individuals' uh, needs. So uh, let people make decisions, and, and I think that foundation then leads us to talking about uh, some specific areas that we want to assess and, and change. Yes, absolutely. And that's great. So you've given us our four P's. We have those. We've kind of done a flyover of these. But as you reflect on these challenges, is there an order of importance in these key areas? Yeah, I think I think it's I think there is in, in this and and each of them are important. And sometimes because of the tyranny of or the urgency, for instance, we're in summertime. So a lot of us are working on facilities right now, our plant, and uh, we just had uh, two roofs redone. We, we uh, work on the playground done. We just had our gym floor redone. So that's been that's been dominant and prominent and important. Uh, but I think in order of priority, I think philosophy 
is is absolutely number one and it's listed, I think, for, for that reason, because uh, the Christian worldview uh, is 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 absolutely essential in, in our ministries and, and to achieve what we're, we're attempting to do. And so if the philosophy is wrong, everything else uh, is, is going to be maladjusted. So philosophy, I think, is essential. Then our people. And I'll probably talk more about this in a minute, but I cannot overemphasize the need to take care of our personnel, take care of our people. I think, frankly, candidly, in Christian education, I've always felt as if I'm fighting for the little guy, fighting for the teachers uh, to take care of them. Because for many years, sacrifices were demanded and expected, uh, but your personnel are your most valuable resource. And, and quite candidly, sometimes uh, the plan, I talked about the facility, uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars are poured into a facility. While our teachers have needs that are unmet. And so I think by priority, philosophy is most important, that, that bedrock um, foundation, then our personnel. Our program is also important. That's, that's what, uh, of course, uh, our um, teachers, our, our families expect of us to have a program that's, that's, uh, that's robust, that's helpful. Uh, but I think that's third. And then fourth, I do think the facility. And uh, again, Jesus, uh, himself, I'm quite confident as the master teacher taught, he could teach underneath a tree. It wasn't a great facility, uh, but that's the order I think that's that's uh, that's important to, to keep in mind. Yeah, that's great. That makes sense. And they're all vital, like you said, but helping break them down like that is really helpful. So we've laid these out, we put them in order, but we are here to talk about you're new, you're, you've, come in, you've come into this ministry, you're ready to face these challenges. And we know what our challenges are going to be. So I'd love to take the rest of the time to actually unpack each of these. I know you've kind of you you've tempted us with them a little bit. You kind of held it out there, some ideas. Now, can you dig into each of these? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. So maybe if we could start with philosophy, could you unpack that a little bit more for us? Sure. I'd love to. And, and I, I would certainly understand that we could spend the rest of the time on this particular subject. But I think it's beneficial to have kind of a flyover of each of these and, and uh, kind of a broad brush approach. So... Uh, the Christian philosophy of education, and I appreciate, uh, I'm not here to, to uh, have a commercial for BJU Press, but I really do think that that's something that's been emphasized. I've been to the uh, Christian Worldview Conference not long ago. The emphasis on this is, is just there's nothing more important than having a Christian philosophy of education. And um, the, the idea is that it is not just, and when we talk about a Christian school, it's not just a, a Bible class, a chapel program. It's embedded and integrated in every facet of the ministry. And that does not happen by accident. And, and, and quite candidly, it has to be very intentional. Uh, with, when I, uh, I don't spend a lot of time looking at lesson plans. I have principals that do that. But uh, when I oversaw lesson plans, I would actually have my teachers put a W into their, uh, the acronym we used for, uh, for their lesson plans, because I, I'm all about uh, teaching the standards, the objectives, the, the process, differentiated learning, all those things are important. But I want a Christian worldview, and it doesn't just happen by accident. So uh, the, the, the intentionality of a Christian worldview um, is, is something that, that I think is, is, is very important. So we're talking about coming new to a ministry, we're looking at those lesson plans. We're talking to teachers. We're talking to students. We're talking to parents. Uh, we're looking at manuals. We're looking at uh, what is stated. Because here's the thing. It's one thing to state this is our Christian uh, worldview. This is our objective. This is what we're doing as far as a Christian philosophy education. 
it's another thing to realize that. And none of us are perfect in that. We're always working on it. And, and we need to be and should be open to correction. But it's really great to have fresh eyes. And that's, I think, one of the benefits of, of coming to a new ministry. There is a teacher or is a head of school or is an admin staff member uh, to say, you know, there, there's some things missing here. Uh, there's some areas we can improve. And uh, we all need that. So I think that the emphasis on a Christian worldview is something that we have to be very intentional about. Uh, and then we need to say it goes beyond just the classroom. So it influences our athletic program if we have one. It influences our fine arts program, uh, our teacher training, um, even our commitment to, to ministry, uh, our teachers' involvement in church, commitment uh, to knowing that our students, and I really have a twofold goal for our students, number one, uh, that they have a a personal uh, relationship with Jesus Christ that they come to know Christ as their Savior. And so that's Christian worldview lived out. And so we want to find out. We don't know it unless we ask them. You know the Lord. You have a profession. And then secondly, I want to see them grow in their faith. And uh, those, again, I know at our, our school, I've been I've been working uh, for a couple of years to get a campus life pastor just to focus on that spiritual. That, that's just not one person is going to solve that problem, but to really be intentional about having someone that can sit down with students uh, not in a disciplinary, all it's a discipleship uh, mode, and, and really come alongside them and see them grow in their faith. So the, the Christian worldview is something I think that that we initially assess. We evaluate in a lot of different ways uh, through talking to people, to seeing what documents are. And then we really work hard with God's help uh, and, and with his wisdom uh, to really, really make an important part of, of what we do. Yeah, philosophy is essential. It, it's definitely a foundation. So with that foundation in place, Let's go on to our second P, personnel. So it's no secret that schools, public and private, are facing serious challenges, really, in hiring, finding those great quality teachers and keeping them. So what are you seeing with that? That's obviously a challenge as someone new coming in and ongoing, no matter how long you've been there. Um, what are your thoughts on that and how to respond to it? Sure. Uh, such an important area because uh, when I talk about philosophy, uh, a lot of what actually happens is it happens in the classroom with the people you have in the classroom. And so uh, I hinted at this first thing I do when coming to ministry is try and sit down with each teacher, uh, talk to the maintenance staff, talk to, to secretaries, talk to everyone and find out where they've been, what their history is, uh, what they're currently doing, what their aspiration for the future is. And I think that's very important. And then what their commitment is uh, there. You'll find. Uh, there's some that are just teaching. They've been doing it. They're kind of stuck, you know, in, in what they're doing. You'll find some that have a passion for it. And uh, our our job, again, is not to come in and say fire everybody, but it's to assess them, um, hopefully in a positive and helpful way and um, and grow them. And um, and we're all at different stages of growth. But I but I think that that initial uh, communication is is very important. Um in addition, recruiting new teachers, which is oftentimes part of the process. Oh, you're coming in to uh, be head of school. Now, by the way, we have these openings. Let's, let's get some people ASAP. And I've, I've hired uh, some of my best hires have been a couple of weeks before school, which uh, you, you have to trust the Lord. And it's, it's sometimes a little nerve wracking. But um, I've always seen it as in this way. It's God's ministry. Uh, he always provides. And it's, it's amazing how he does that, but not always in our timing. Uh, so that's part of the, the initial uh, opportunity, I think. Uh, but I, what I'm looking for, and I think it's important to, to, to look for this, is individuals that are committed, that are servant-hearted, and quite candidly, I believe that it is probably harder now than ever 
uh, at least in my experience, to find committed, servant-hearted individuals uh, to work in ministry. You go to a Christian school um, uh, convention recruitment opportunity. I went to, uh, I think, two this year. And um, you've got two science uh, individuals, and you've got 100 schools looking for those individuals, vying for the same two people. And uh, so it's a challenge. And, um, and so I think we have to be creative uh, in, in our approaches. I think we should recruit from uh, Christian worldview uh, colleges, universities. But I think we have to be creative. We've, I know in our situation, we've looked at the church, individuals that are in secular, we've kind of peeled them off from the secular, and that's been done in both public and private education. Um, and th that also involves additional training challenges, but um, that's, that's really important. The, the truth is, uh, no matter how much we try, our pay is typically lower. The prestige of teaching and the teaching profession is, is, is less significant. And so, uh, we want to prop up and encourage the people we have in place when we initially come. And then we want to recruit individuals. And I basically tell people, I want to hire people that love God, uh, love kids, and love their subject. Granted, sometimes we have to ask them to teach subjects that they do not love. And uh, I remind them that the love is a decision. And so they can decide to love and, and have a passion for that subject. So, uh, but I think the creative ways, and I, you know, I just had an individual come to me. And, and when you've been in this for a while, I, I taught his dad uh, 30 years ago. And um, he came to me and I uh, said, you know, I was going to be a physician's assistant and I just decided God called me to Christian education. Hey, you know, I'd like to come teach for you. Well, you know, can't argue with that. So if you're in this for a while, you sometimes you make those connections and you're grateful for them. But but I think that the other thing that we need to do, and then I know we've been aggressive in doing this, we need to look at pay and you look at benefits. And in every ministry I've been to, I've been in a couple of ministries where for a couple of years they would pause pay increases because uh, things were tight in enrollment. And, and I'm, every time I deal with a board like that respectfully, and they've always been receptive, I said, listen, you know, your personnel, you know, beyond your philosophy, that is your most important and valued asset. Cut costs someplace else, but take care of your people. And, and I'll be the first to say, we never feel like we do enough for them, but we always want to do more. And uh, I know in our situation, we've committed some pretty significant dollars uh, to that in this, in this last year. We're going to continue that, but but we we cannot ask individuals to sacrifice when there's so many opportunities out there unless we're going to be committed as a, as a ministry, uh, take care of them as well as possible. So personnel, really, really important. Yeah, for sure. People are key. So we talked philosophy and personnel. And if I remember correctly, the next aspect you mentioned was program. So as a teacher or an administrator new to a school, Talk to us about some of the challenges you might be facing um, with the school program. Yeah, I think one of the first things, and, and I don't want to get uh, too much into into uh, school vendors and, and suppliers, and yet uh, this is almost the the the, the basic question again: uh, What curriculum do you use? And um, and so you'll talk about that and and talk with teachers about that with others. I remember uh, for years I would talk to vendors and and this one vendor would say, you know, what we we focus on drill and repetition and you know this is our this is our outlook. Talk to another vendor and he says, you know, we uh, focus on on thinking skills, you know, and um, I, you know I think with all of it, uh, when you talk about curriculum, when when people talk about curriculum, they they talk about what text provider are you using. And I do think it's important to use texts that are that are from written from a Christian worldview. But I think I always try to train my people. and I've certainly been taught that curriculum is everything you do in the classroom. And so the texts are important, but the best of texts are, are 
simply that they're texts and the teacher is the key. We just talked about personnel to making those texts most effective and most beneficial. So I think that's that's really what I would say in the program. And then the program is far more than just the text. Uh, it's also the field trips, the uh, the, the downtime, the uh, the specials, we call pullouts, uh, the other opportunities for, that we craft. But coming back as as a um, as, as coming to a school, it's it's great to evaluate that with fresh eyes. You know, why are we doing this? Why are we not doing this? Uh, you know, do we need this? Do we not need this? Is this beneficial? Uh, who are the personnel that are that are making this work and driving this? Uh, because of the program, and it goes beyond. Uh, curriculars, there's extracurriculars, but uh, I, I know in our school, you know, our, our 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 focus is academics, fine arts, and then athletics, and we we basically have it tiered and 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 in that way. And and I will say that sometimes our athletic people are are disappointed. You know, we won state in soccer a year ago, so it's not like we have no interest in athletics. But honestly, what what students will take from your program in a Christian school typically is a strong academic foundation, and and that program is what drives that. And then they'll also benefit from fine arts skills and and abilities that they'll use for life and polish that will help them with their academic skills. And so the program to develop that is is got to be intentional. It's got to be well thought through, and sometimes changes have to be made. Um, and then of course athletics has some. You know, I'm I'm a soccer guy, so I'm all about that, but. Um, but I really think that as you develop your program, you look at the whole program, not just academic. And, and sometimes we divide too much between what's curriculum and what's extracurricular. It's all benefit and it's all it's some, something that, that uh, we want to emphasize. Yeah. The whole school experience yes. is so yeah, important. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you really said, well it's, it's not just the books. It's that whole experience. And I love that you pointed that out. It's good to come in with fresh eyes. And some people say come in as a buyer, you know looking at it and say, hey, what, why do we do this? And if there's a reason, you know, then examining, is that a good reason? Do we hang on to it? And, you know, where do we go from there? Do we bring in new things, keep what we have? And I just think those fresh eyes to the whole experience, not just on one area. I love how you pointed that out. So our time is moving along quickly, but we still have one more area to talk about. So let's talk about assessing the plant or the physical school campus. What insights do you have on that? Yeah, I think it's really important. I do think, and I don't minimize the value of, of the, you mentioned the buyer. I always think when you come to campus, what do you see? What stands out? If you see something that, that uh, and I, I guess my thinking is sometimes facilities are older, some are newer, but it can be and should be clean uh, and it can be, sh- should be uh, well lit and, in, and in, in good condition. And so I think this is, I'm a guy, if I come in a room, there's light bulb out, it, it bothers me. Maybe, maybe I'm OCD, but I just think it says something. Uh, there's, there's a story in New York when, you know, uh, Juliana came in and cleaned up the graffiti and it's just, if something is, is broken, fix it uh, or get rid of it if need be. Uh, but I, I really want, I want school to be a happy place. Uh, so I think of it in terms of home, uh, even when we were first married and had a little tiny apartment, you know, we made it home and that was a beautiful place. Now the Lord gives us a much nicer home, but we love home is great. Well, this is home. For our students. So I think that's the facility outlook is what can we do and always look at that critical eye again and not with a critical spirit, but what can we do? Because sometimes when you're at a place for a while, um, you don't even notice things that could, should have been fixed. And many times they're not necessarily big dollar things. I will say that, you know, one of the discouraging things in ministry is sometimes I, I remember a ministry I came to, we spent $60,000 on the uh, septic system. No one gets excited about that. You don't fundraise for that. 
but it's absolutely essential. You know, I mentioned we just did two roofs and uh, fortunately insurance covered most of that, but it's, it's, they're, they're big dollars. So, uh, but, but constantly look, we just did our, we did our gym floor and we're saying, okay, wait a second. Our lockers room like, like 1980s. We, we gotta, you know, we, we gotta do something about that. So, uh, we had a board meeting and I talked about that a little bit. So the idea is the facility is really important. And then I mentioned the, the aesthetics, but I think the security aspect is really important too. So that's the other aspect. Today, people are demanding a safe place. They really want almost a lockdown jail type atmosphere and yet they want it to be friendly and, and, and wonderful. And so uh, automatic door locks, um, plates in the floor so that, uh, you know, uh, students can be safe in the event there's an intruder. Uh, cameras, radios. We've spent, you know, over a million dollars, you know, just on uh, all those, those things. And, and it's just, it's an ongoing situation, but safety, security, the, the environment and the facility is really, really important. And I think if you're going to have a, a, a good Christian school, uh, people expect a safe environment, uh, in a lot of ways. But, uh, so a lot can be said about facility, but it, it really is something that occupies a lot of time, energy, and unfortunately a lot of money too. Uh, but it's, it's money well spent. Yeah, definitely. Because often how things look and that that's a testimony in and of itself. And they may never enter your buildings, but even from the outside, people are seeing your school and you're being a testimony just in how it looks. And even inside, I like how you mentioned there are some things that are just really low dollar items and make such a a big deal, even just a fresh coat of paint when there's scratched walls and some good cleaning of the carpets. It can just make a building look so much better. And I think often when you visit somewhere, the way something looks reflects or in our minds reflects the rest of the experience. You know, so if I walk into a school and the walls are scraped and the carpet's through, I think, well, that must be the same attention they give to their academics or to caring for their students. So I love that you brought out the point, just even some of those small things that you see coming in fresh, those are easy things to see and do and improve the experience. Okay, so we have our four P's. We have philosophy, personnel, program, and plants. And that gives us a great framework really for approaching new situations, both if we're new or if someone new joins the team. I think it's no secret that new people in positions means change, a literal personnel change. We know that, but also changes in various aspects of the ministry. And, you know, just having wisdom in what needs to change and the timing of those decisions is so essential. And I know you mentioned that at the beginning, there are risks and there are blessings in change and in not changing, especially right away. And I'm sure we have all met those who dash in with the fruit basket upset strategy. <laughs> you know, while there are others who just walk in and continue in the status quo and we wonder if anything's going to be improved. So you have given us some excellent guideposts. And, you know, here we are a few weeks into school and no doubt there are listeners who are teachers or administrators in their new positions. And, you know, they've lived through the launch of the school year and now they're settling into their positions. And you've really given them some elements um, to think about, some great challenges and opportunities we talked about. So you've boiled that down so well. Do you have any other thoughts, maybe any other warnings or advice as we wrap up this part of the segment? I don't. I, I really think that, uh, again, God gives you wisdom and that, and I come back I, and I'm not being... Uh, redundant in, in, in saying that I, I think really if there's a question you know about so should we make this change or not really pray about it get wisdom and and what i've always found the beautiful thing about the lord is is he says if you if you lack wisdom and i'm the first to say i do <laughs> i'm always learning 
Uh, then just ask of me and, and I'll give it to you and I'll give it to you generously. And I really think that, I mean, we're not going to you know, be mistake proof, but I will tell you in the five transitions uh, that I've had, God's always, it's always been a beautiful thing. And, and yeah, sometimes some hard decisions, but honestly, it, I think in the big picture, it's really been a blessing. And, and I thank God for that. Yeah, and that goes perfectly with our four P's, and now we have prayer as well, so we can remember yeah, that's right. I love how it. important it is to pray. So you've given us some excellent thoughts. You know, those are critical days in a ministry and really in the lives of those individuals, and I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. And speaking of your experience, we are just about to share a question that's been submitted, and I would love to tap into your insights um, from your ad, uh, administrative experience as well. So let's listen to the question, and then we'll chat about it. How can we motivate teachers to freshen up their classrooms without making deadlines every month to make them change things like bulletin boards and other stuff? Obviously, no one likes piles of deadlines, but it seems at times that without them, things get stale in rooms where the teachers just, you know, do the minimum just to get by. Thank you for any ideas you can share on this. So probably that's not something you've ever faced, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts? I'll let yeah. you speak to that first. So thanks for asking. I, you know, I would think that there, there's teachers who do the minimum and bare minimum, and, and, and we understand that within personnel. There are uh, what they call racehorses, and they're also plotters. And uh, I think also my, my personal feeling, and I'm, uh, you're looking at one of the most uh, uncreative people, I think, out there. Uh, my kids are so creative, uh, but I'm not. And so I think when I taught, for instance, um, what I would do is I'd borrow my kids. Uh, I, my advice would be if you have that teacher that that's just not their thing. Maybe they're a good teacher, but they just are not great in classroom and you have expectations. I would share with them my expectations. This is what I want you to do. Uh, I agree you don't want to uh, just make it too difficult as far as deadlines. But I would come alongside them. And if, and if that's not their area... Uh, then I would say we're going to we're going to find you someone to help you either a, as a student or a parent um, to come alongside you and help you. And I think that would be facilitating, collaborating in a positive way and get what you want. Uh, a classroom that's attractive, that's clean, because uh, what, what I find is you either have teachers that it's too busy. They've got everything there and you walk in. It's like so distracting. And, and some people are really troubled by that. And then, or you have the, that aesthetic, and, and I can think of a couple of each that, that we've dealt with. So I think coming alongside and giving them some help is something that will let them get use their gifts and yet not create too much of an issue. I personally, I, I was not deeply impacted by uh, bulletin boards and other things, but I will tell you this. I had a teacher my, uh, I think, junior year, Miss McCown, uh, great teacher right before Miss Markham, and, and I just remember her bulletin board, and I think it was there all year, better never late. That stuck with me, and uh, I'm still sticking with that. Hey, the impact of bulletin boards, right? <laughs> there are so many elements in education that just need to be done because they're right, you know. And as you mentioned, just helping them understanding, help them understand the importance of the expectation or what their room should look, you know, look like or whatever. And sure, administrators could make policies and deadlines for everything, and. You know, most teachers teachers will do what they're asked, but even better than having all these policies is just appealing to those teachers and sharing why something's necessary for their classroom and really seeking their buy-in. And I know that's what you are sharing as well. And that intrinsic motivation is just so vital. And keeping a fresh classroom, making it look sharp is a perfect example of that. You can teach in a room that looks the same all year long, you know, 
And students will still learn, sure, but is it best? Is it best for the students and best for what that teacher can do, especially the younger ages? You know, we talked about that a little bit. Older, not necessarily changing up as much, but there are other things that they need to keep fresh in their classroom. And I really think, too, it helps to communicate to students. You know, we're asking them for their engagement and their creativity, but then we don't demonstrate it like we can. You know, we can do better at that. So I guess to go back to the question, my initial thoughts are really echoing what you said is, sure, there may be some type of expectation or guideline. And I love how you talked about just sharing, you know, that with them. And then maybe buddying them up with a teacher and helping them see how they can meet that expectation and help all around improve their teaching, you know, their teaching and motivating their students and giving those students the best experience possible. And just getting buy-in on that, I think, is far more important than just proceduring and policing right. them to death. I would so, probably incentivize them to. Um, oh, great idea. Maybe yeah. that's called bribing. But I, I would, uh, you know, a contest or something like that is is fun. Um, but I think what you're dealing with in that question sometimes is that teacher that, that you've got your, your go-getters that will, they'll, they'll jump on that, but then the others won't. So, so maybe come alongside will help those that are less engaged. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great thought. So here we are at the end of another challenging and uplifting episode. And Mark, thank you so much again for your time and for your insights. It's really been great having you on the show today. Thanks. I loved it. And I just appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was. Remember to go to teachereditionpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day. Every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and his grace working in you. So go do what God has called you to do.